So uh, today we're going to um, build on our vision for last year. And uh, so creatively, I thought, you know, what can I call it? And I came up with this incredible title called Vision 2023. <laughs> so I know you're impressed. But what we wanna do is we wanna talk about where we uh, are going, who we are as a people, and what are we pressing into? And it's important for us to know that overall, you know, so that we don't just get into this pattern of coming. This is what church is. We come and gather and then we leave. No, we have a mission. We have things that we are very intentional about and we call each other to this. And so I wanna highlight uh, that here today. Um, there's a passage of scripture that I've based today and the next uh, three weeks after today on, which is out of Ephesians chapter five, verses 14 to 17. And there's a word that he uses in there and he says this, he says, arise or awaken you who are asleep. And then later he says um, that we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. The idea in that arise or awaken is sound the alarm. Don't fall asleep. Don't get in some days, but be aware, very aware of where you are and, and what's happening around you. And then he talks about redeeming the time is seize the moment, seize the day to make a difference. You know, the one thing that I've learned in life is I can't change yesterday. You ever notice how true that is? I can't go back, so it's important that I use the time that God has given me to maximize God's kingdom work. And so as we talk about today, I wanna base that, this series on a title called It's Time. And the first thing today as we press into vision, we're gonna talk about it's time to change the narrative. Have you ever heard somebody see a difficult situation or a challenging moment and say, well, it's just kind of the way things are? We use the, the phrase, well, it is what it is. Well, what if it doesn't have to be? What if we interrupt the narrative and say, I'm not okay with the way it is, that I want to interrupt that and believe that it can be different? I love the passage in 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. And I love the stories of the Bible and we tell them to our kids, but as adults, we're enamored by them as well. And it's this story of a narrative that was taking place. And you know the story, the Philistines and the Israelites are, are uh, against one another and there's a giant named Goliath, he's over nine foot tall and he's taunting the Israelites. And he says, send me a person to fight against me and if they beat me, we'll surrender. If, if uh, I beat them, then you guys surrender. And so they're at this impasse. They're in this moment where they have to decide what are we gonna do? And you know what? Fear overcame them. And for 40 days, this giant came out and he taunted them. And he began to speak all kinds of things against the living God. And there was a shepherd boy that was bringing in food for the warriors that day and he heard the taunts and he said, well, why isn't somebody doing something? 
And they go, well, have you seen the size of the giant? You go, yeah, but we serve the living God. He's taunting the living God. He goes, but have you seen the size of the giant? And so you know the story. The shepherd boy steps into a moment and changes the narrative. They tried to dress him in all the warrior's clothes and send him out to battle. He put it aside and he said, no, God will use what I have and who I am because it's not about me, it's about him. He's gonna prove his power today. And he stepped in and he changed the course of a nation because he was willing to be courageous and, and to step into a risky situation and do something no one else was doing and he changed the narrative. I'm calling us as a church to do the same. I don't think it's good enough to hear the way things are. I don't want to just be okay with that. I wanna believe it can be better. And so we're gonna talk about three things today as we talk about vision and changing the narrative. And the first one is our vision for our next generation. I want you to hear the reality, kind of the, the, the Goliath per se, the taunts that are coming against the church. Listen, around 70% of millennials, 27 to 41, who grew up in church have walked away from church. 70% and they haven't come back. And I've heard some people go, well, I've seen a few. Are we okay with that? Really, are we okay with losing our own? Listen, the latest statistic that I read is that about four, only 4% 4 of Gen Z, nine to 26 year olds, attends church or finds it to be of value or importance. That's this generation, 4%. Do you think we have a problem? I think we have a problem. And I'm not okay with saying, well, it's just the way church is. It's just the way culture is. I think it's time to change the narrative. We cannot stand silent and just hear statistics being run off and realize that every statistic resembles, it's, it's about people. So as I look back, I realize in the stories that I've heard that how did this happen? Well, too often, faith was something that it was really relegated to going to church and living in the faith of their parents, but it never was personalized themselves. We want our kids to grow up in this place, not to attend so that we can count numbers. We want kids to grow up to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and then serve Jesus. That's what we want. We wanna believe differently. We wanna believe it can be better. I'm not okay with what is. It's time to change the narrative and talk about the what if. What if we defy the statistics and intentionally invest into our kids and students to create a different and a better outcome? What if we do that? What if we take that step like David did and we step into a moment and say, we're gonna seek change. We're not okay with what 
currently is happening. I want to read to you a passage. It's in Psalms chapter 78, verses 1 to 8. I love this. And he says this, Give ear, all my people, to my teaching, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from the of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Listen to this. That the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. We need to change the narrative. We need to believe that God is big enough to help us see something different. Let's defy these odds. As I reviewed, we have taken great steps. We hired a children's director to believe that it's not about childcare, it's discipling a heart. It's about teaching them not just Bible stories, but let them experience the grand nature of King Jesus to know who he is, and then to accept him and to walk in his ways. You realize that in, by the grace of God, only by the grace of God, we're, we're one generation from seeing Christianity completely dissolved. The truth is, in America, it's hard to believe we live in a post-Christian nation right now. According to all the statistics, a post-Christian nation. So it's time to change the narrative. And what it's going to take is not Bethany being the children's director, shepherding kids' heart. It's not about Matt Nicewanger, which he did get voted in as our new next-gen pastor. Uh, last week, Matt was here. But in America, we tend to do this. We're going to hire people to lead the charge. And that's okay. They're going to lead the charge, but we must come alongside of them and say this, everyone invested somewhere in the life of a kid or a student. Everyone. And you say, well, how can everyone? Listen, even if your investment is praying for the hearts of those kids, if I knew somebody was praying for the heart of my kid, it would mean everything. No one stands silent. We must engage and come alongside of each other and believe not just for our own kids, but for the kids of all of this next generation, that they would walk in the ways of the Lord, that they would love Jesus, and they would live faith out, not of their parents, but of their own. Let's believe different. We must change the narrative. I don't know of anything greater than being a part of shaping the faith of the next generation. I want to talk now about our vision for community. Let me begin by talking about the reality, the what is, the reality that we are facing. The truth is we're surrounded by people but known by few or any. The church has been more about gathering than a family. 
And the truth is we've embraced a, uh, embraced a culture of isolation because it's easier. It fits our schedule. It's safer. It's all of those things. And you want to make an argument for it? Go ahead. Well, I'm busy. Yeah, just like all of us. But we will either accept what is or we will inter interrupt that narrative and we'll believe that something greater can happen. And I'm calling us as a people of God, as a church, that we need to engage community. It's not enough to hear about it. It's not enough to know somebody else is engaged in it. All of us need to engage it. I've heard people say, well, I don't need community. I gently respond to them because I'm such a teddy bear. I, I respond to them, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Not only do you need community, but somebody needs you. I'm like, but, but not me. No, no, we're that culture, you know, that when somebody asks you, hey, man, do you need some help? No, no, I'm dying, but I'm not going to let you help me. That's the American culture. We're gonna go solo, man. I'm independent, I'm gonna do my thing. And while I'm doing it, I'm dying outside and inside, but I'm not gonna ask for help because we are independent. What in the world has happened? God help us interrupt that narrative and say, we need each other, I need you and you need me. Why? Because we were designed that way. God created us that way. He formed the church that way. We are not to be independent. We're to be interdependent. Come on, let's get this right. Two of my favorite verses, Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's how we get stronger, better, sharper. We need each other. The second one is in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Listen to what he says. A lot of times we read this at weddings, but I want you to hear this. It's really about the church. Listen, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone. And when he falls, he has no other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. It's time to change the narrative. Listen, what if we confronted a culture of independence and isolation and invested in becoming a community of faith as God designed and intended? You go, well, that sounds great. You know, what's it gonna take? It takes you, it takes you getting involved. This isn't about the person behind you, in front of you, beside you. This is about you getting involved. And where did we take ground? Last year, we laid this foundation and we took a step into community groups, 12 to 14 people getting together each week, doing life together, investing in one another. We saw incredible things happen. But we also realized this, that not everybody can, that doesn't fit everybody's life. It's not a one-size-fits-all. 
So this year we continue to expand that and realize that we have community gatherings of larger groups where it's intended when you come, it's to meet people, it's to know people. And then the community groups of the 12 to 14 will be kicking off again, new community groups that you can be a part of. But then there's those other groups, the G3 groups that we have that are of two or three people that you can move those times in, in groups around and you can be flexible, but you're walking with someone who knows you and you're known and you know them and they're known. We need to do this better. We need to interrupt the narrative. I want to give you a motto that I, I want to be true in our church here is everyone connected to someone, everyone connected to someone. Don't you think that's great for someone else? That's our, our thinking. I go, man, that's great. I hope they get that. No, I'm talking for you. That we would be connected to each other. There's, our joy is doubled and our sorrows are cut in half when we walk with people. Can we get back to the way God designed it? Let's interrupt the narrative and believe in something beautiful, something bigger, something better, something supernatural that God would do within his people. The last one is our vision for mission. I want to start with the what is. The reality that we're facing, the church oftentimes has become irrelevant. Most communities are not impacted by the churches that exist within them. It's true. It's just a reality. We don't have to work at making this happen. It, it becomes this way just by doing nothing. We get in, inward focused and we lose sight of why we exist. We do not exist for ourselves, but for those around us, to love them, to share Jesus with them, to share with them the hope of the world. We have the best news ever. And why are we just sitting silent and becoming irrelevant to the communities around us? It's time to change the narrative. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20 says this, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's he say? He says, stay in church, invite people to come. No, he says, go. You even look at Jesus' life. He wasn't like in the synagogue going, come to me, all you people that need my, my knowledge and my wisdom. Come and listen to my great oratations. No, he went in the highways and the byways. He met people where they were. He healed the sick. He met people that were living in, in vile sinfulness and he met them where they were and he changed them. We need to do the same. This is not about the walls keeping us in. This is about, this is like a rally to go. This is where we get encouraged and fed so that we can go out and make a difference in the world around us. We need to make a difference in our communities. Listen, 
there's a question that I think is, is good. I love this question. If your church ceased to exist, would the community around us miss us? If we cease to exist, would the community miss us? I hope so. I hope so. So what if, what if, what if we fought against the tendency to become inward focused and isolated and irrelevant, and we invested into creating a gospel presence in the communities in the world around us? What if we did that? You know, we've taken some steps in that direction and we've done it well, but we will naturally fall back into becoming self-focused unless we work hard at becoming others focused. We gotta change the narrative. We need to seek the needs of the people around us and the communities around us, but the, this is what I want you to hear. The greatest need is not the social needs around us, although we wanna meet some. The greatest need is that people hear that there's hope for them that they would know the God who created them, that the God who gives them life and gives them breath, that they would have the hope of Jesus. It's the greatest spiritual need. That's the need of their heart. That's what we need to go and talk to them about. So what if locally we get re-engaged? You know, COVID threw, threw us, uh, you know, I would say off the rails a little bit. We need to get back on the rails. We need to get reinvested in the fire department, the American Legion and the school system. We were doing that well and we got kind of off, off the rails there. We need to get back on. We need to continue to do this well and you need to be a part of that with us. In Auburn, we were focused on Genesee Elementary School, the rescue mission, Booker T, we were invested heavily and we continue to invest there under-resourced, marginalized community, and we, we continue to invest there. We want to start a good news club. 26 of you volunteer to be a part of making that happen. I applaud you. I'm going to let you in on a little dream that we have. The dream is for Auburn that in the southwest side in the under-resourced area there is we have our eye on a piece of land that we're considering purchasing so that we can set up a beachhead, a place where we can have a gospel presence, where we can let the community there know that the church cares, not that they come to their service, but that they are valued as people, where we could mentor kids, where we can speak into families, where we can have community events, where we can have sports um, activities and love people where they are. That's what I long for is light to shine in darkness. And the greatest thing that could happen there is for people to understand they have a purpose and a hope. Man, people long for that. And Jesus has it. And we are his ambassadors to take that news and to shine the light of Jesus to the communities around us. So is it a pipe dream or a possible dream? You ever hear people talk about that and they go, yeah, it sounds like a pipe dream to me. You know, it's not a pipe dream, it's a possible dream. And what makes it possible is when we're willing to invest in it. The pipe dream is David standing there going, somebody go and knock that giant down, go kill him. That's the pipe dream, believing 
that maybe something could happen, but never stepping into the moment to make it happen. And the difference between a pipe dream and a possible dream is engagement. It's the willing to step in and say, God, use me. I'm a shepherd boy with a few stones in a sling, but I will go fight whatever giant, whatever place. You are the living God. We need to change the narrative. Let's believe bigger. Let's believe bigger about the next generation. Let's believe bigger about community. And let's believe bigger and better about mission. God is worthy of that. So Father, this morning as we reflect on these things, may they not be the pipe dream. May we step into moments and situations. It, it may feel risky. It may feel scary. We might feel like we don't have much to offer, but God, it's not about us, it's about you. You empower your people to accomplish your work. And so God, help us do this well. We love you, we exalt you in this place, and we wanna be your people, your church, shining light and being the salt in this world. So God, may that happen. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our great savior, amen.